Hello all and welcome to the 15th episode of the Ocean Decade Show, a podcast dedicated to guiding you down the yellow brick road of this global initiative to transform the ocean, housed within the American Shoreline Podcast Network family. My name is Taylor Gells and I'm your host and tour guide on our adventure through the Ocean Decade. This is going to be a really fun and different episode for the Ocean Decade Show. I like to, to think of new ways to challenge myself and present you all with really interesting information in new and different ways. This episode will be a testament to that. <laughs> this format hopefully works. Uh, I may choose to never do it this way again, but I'm really excited to try out this new style uh, as a way to introduce you all to more amazing guests per episode. There's too many people doing too many cool things during this decade. Um, and that can only feature, you know, just a few a month. And so with uh, this way, we're going to feature uh, a lot of guests uh, more than I've historically been able to do. So for those of you who aren't aware, um, March 8th, 2022 is International Women's Day, a global holiday focused on upholding the achievements, recognizing the ongoing challenges and focusing greater attention on the rights of all who identify as women across the globe. As someone myself who identifies as a woman, uh, I was so excited uh, when the Intergovernmental Oceanographic Commission team came to me with the idea to highlight the amazing amazing women who are working on the ocean decade. Uh, and I re- wanted to be really careful when formatting this episode and for my guests to not focus too much on the fact that they're women. <laughs> you know, the, these women are doing incredible things and not because just because they are women. So during the conversations and clips that you'll hear in this month's podcast, I intentionally focused on these women's contributions to the ocean decade period. Um, And we have a really broad set of women this month who are all contributing to the ocean decade in really interesting and novel ways. And to start our episode off though, I'm going to do a bit of scene setting. Um, And Kirsten, uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast this month Uh, and introduce yourself and say hi. Hi, I'm Kirsten Inse. So I work at the Intergovernmental Oceanographic Commission of UNESCO. And here I'm in the ocean science section. So not so much on the coordination of the decade, but more really on the implementation. And I'm, my background is I'm a marine biologist. So because I love the ocean so much, I actually started studying it. Uh, and I, I'm still in love with it, I guess. So I moved from the <laughs> science part now a little bit more to the science coordination part and really trying to make, uh, to try to increase the capacity, but also really try to increase the cooperation all over the world and especially for countries who are, which are not that rich and um, as ocean science is an expensive science, trying to help them the best way we can um, to really get up to speed to measure the ocean and uh, then also find solution in the ocean. That's fantastic. And that's a great kind of path and story to the ocean decade. Um, and so I would love to hear from you why the IOC is focused on women in the ocean decade. Why is why is gender important when we're talking about this 10-year initiative? I mean, gender equality is a global focus area and global priority for UNESCO in general. There are many activities uh, all over UNESCO, but within IOC, it's really also from a very personal perspective, and this is also actually what the IOC uh, stands for. It's like, if we don't make use of all those brilliant brains out there, we will miss out on a lot of brilliant ideas to 
uh, improve ocean science, to improve ocean observation, and to improve the application of ocean science and observation. And um, losing out of half of the population, uh, I think we will lose out on uh, on many initiatives and many great ideas. And so for us, it's really looking at the numbers we have um, and that we also have an assessment, the Global Ocean Science Report, which shows that 39% of the women are, uh, of the of the ocean researchers are women. So where are those? Why are we not at 50-50? And um, so there is this gap uh, we still have to close. Um, there is also an inequality. What we saw this or saw and see is that uh, they are not empowered in leadership. Uh, a lot of women start like I did, studying marine biology, oceanography, uh, marine policy, but then they stop in their mid-career. And, and so we need more women at all levels, really, to really get this, um, get them to the forefront of their, of their ocean decade. Yeah, that's so... So true. And it just kind of sets the scene, I think, really well for uh, our guests coming up here uh, during the rest of this episode focused on women in the ocean decade, Um, that they're all women and they happen to be women, but they also happen to be amazing contributors to the ocean decade and have really uh, made a splash in this first year. And I think we'll continue to make a splash over the course of the the next Eight years. I have to keep <laughs> reminding myself to subtract that it's not ten years or nine years. It's we're now in twenty twenty two. All of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, we still have nine years, a little bit more or less. Yeah. Uh, so I think we we have time, and in the end, we don't have time. It's now to react. Gender equality needs to be mainstreamed. It's not just because we are women, we are better. No, but we are equally good. And so I think that's. Uh, something which needs to be widely recognized and also implemented. Just creating an, an atmosphere, uh, a framework, working conditions, which are equally welcoming to women and men. Yeah, exactly. Um, so from your perspective, you know, sitting in the IOC and with this focus on, on gender, what is your idea of a successful ocean decade? You know, looking back eight, nine years <laughs> from now, uh, sitting in 2030 and looking back, what's happened that would make you think that this decade has been successful? I, I think if we had 50% having equal participation and not only attendance, but equal participation of women in the Ocean Decade programs, in Ocean Decade activities at all levels, having leadership, um, having institutional, um, have it institutional recognized that gender equality is important to achieve and to address the challenges and to achieve the goals of, of uh, the decade. That for me would be a successful um, agenda for, for, for us for the next uh, eight, nine years. And really that women are part of of those conferences, talking to the world. We see an increase, but there's so much room. Having those featured um scientific speakers, being more women there, having uh, that we don't need a podcast because it's on on how to achieve gender equality because we have it. Not having the need for um, 
for specific activities. I think there's a, a huge success would be as well if we have men fighting for gender equality in 10 years and not only women, that we need to get the men to this table and don't only talk to ourselves. And I think we are making already good moves in there and there are role models as well for those men who want to uh, um, encourage women to participate. And I think there are multiple ways at, at institutional level, at national levels, having that there really uh, also recognized, but also at personal level that it's normal for each and everybody that we don't look what is the gender, that we look at what is the qualification and that we don't see hurdles just because a woman might give birth to to a kid. They're, that's a beauty. And, and so I think it's looking at the positive sides of diversity, looking at those um, positive sides of inclusion. Uh, I think that for, for me would be a successful um decade for gender equality in ocean science and really I think most important is really that we get more women on the on the upper floors um, which is still a very male dominated area yeah exactly and and like you said I really hope that uh, you know I kind of put myself out of a job in this sense that we don't have to talk about these issues going forward in 10 years or that at least you know we have many, many more women in my time in the, in the ocean sciences, I've worked uh, predominantly with women, but then, like you said, as you go further up in the, um, in the ranks, uh, it gets harder because of all sorts of different, uh, ways that women leak out of, you know, the, the science or policy pipeline. Uh, but we have, uh, nine years in the ocean decade to really focus on this. And it's, it's great to see that the IOC is focusing on this, from the very beginning and making it an integral part to the, the programs and activities that are already underway at the decade and the ones that are upcoming. Yeah, I think mainstreaming it really all over and not only focusing, it's great that there's also an Ocean Decade program uh, focusing on empowering women in ocean science, but I think it also really has to be mainstreamed and especially in the technical parts um, like me, a lot of women uh, study marine biology, but also observation, new technologies, all there, more women are needed to really um, make use of those talents we have out there. And don't let them be, don't think in stereotypes. I think that uh, we all have to learn still, uh, think broad. Thanks, Kirsten, for setting the stage on why gender is so crucial to consider during the ocean decade. Up next, we have Zhen coming to us from China, uh, speaking about her work on the gender program for the Ocean Decade. She'll start with telling us about herself and her path to the Ocean Decade. Uh, well, um, I'm Chinese. I'm actually coming from a small town in Shandong province, which I'm currently based because I'm visiting my parents for the Chinese New Year. Um, it's called Chufu. It's also known uh, for being the hometown of the Chinese educator and philosopher Confucius. Chinese name is Kongzi. I think it's perhaps you know in the upbringing in my uh, in my upbringing that I believe in education and capacity development of human resources is really the key to society uh, to society uh, progress. I personally I studied law, uh, law degrees in both China and uh, the United Kingdom. Uh, I finished a doctor's degree in Cambridge University on the law of the sea. 
my research topic was mainly looking at the jurisdictional conflicts between different states and uh, whether the legal framework could help to provide a better governance for the ocean activities. Um, after graduation, I worked at the National University of Singapore and moved to the World Maritime University in 2018. During the past decade, I've worked on various issues relating to the oceans, mainly from a legal and a regulatory perspective. One of my uh, key working components is to support the teaching and capacity development activities at the universities. Those include to law students, government officials, and the practitioners. I think one of the key things that attracted me to the current position is because of its um, capacity development element of the university. This university, the World Maritime University, is um, is education branch of the International Maritime Organization, which is a special agency of the United Nations. During the past decade, I've worked on various issues relating to the oceans, mainly from a legal and a regulatory perspective. One of my main working components is to support the teaching and the capacity development at the universities, including to the law students, government officials, and the practitioners. Um, coming to the ocean decade, I was aware of it when it was announced, but to be honest, um, at first I didn't think my work would be directly related to it because it seemed to me at the time that it's mainly focused on natural science. As a lawyer, I thought it, it didn't really have that much connection to it. Um, my real entry point to the decade was in 2019. I was asked to join um, the research and the capacity development program at the university, empowering women for the UN Decade of Ocean Science for Sustainable Development. It was supported by um, Fisheries and Oceans Canada and the Nippon Foundation. The program um, really calls for gender equality as a center pillar of the ocean decade. For us, the, the program aims to advance an alternative, a inclusive model to enable more representative ocean science knowledge production um, to ensure gender equality and the empowerment of women of different ages and the background at all levels. So since the program was launched, um, the program has two components, capacity development and research. For the capacity development uh, effort, we have two PhD candidates and one postdoc researcher uh, working on individual projects, one case study in Kenya, to, uh, to understand the career paths of women at different stages, including from national to until their representation of Kenya at the international forum. Uh, another case study is on ISIS, an international uh, organization that is focused on um, fishery science to understand uh, the current underrepresentation of women at this international organization. Then we have the postdoc researcher working with seven different international, inter, including intergovernmental organizations, as well as NGOs, to understand, um, first to map out the current status quo of women's representation, to understand the barriers of this uh, lower rate of women, uh, especially at the top 
levels and also to identify what is the good practice that can promote women uh, to different levels. Um, for us, I think uh, going looking at how we project to the, um, uh, the, the program is that, that we can work with different international organizations, including IOC, UNESCO, to understand what is the current status for women within the decade and how we can improve the current status. In last year, in June, uh, our program has been endorsed by IOC UNESCO as an official decade program. This is, if I may proud to say that it's probably a recognition that the program may have the potential to play a central role in supporting the ocean decade, particularly for its mission to transform ocean science solutions for sustainable development. And uh, our focus would be connecting people and the ocean in order to achieve the ocean's vision, um, calling for the science we need for the ocean we want. Our logo has been the people we need for the ocean we want. That's fantastic. And I love that, you know, you've come at it personally from uh, recognizing that the decade cares more about just than <laughs> just about natural science and that law aspect and then the gender aspect as well and uh, having that be such a crucial crucial piece of you know the start of this decade and hopefully over the course of the next you know eight nine years um so so Jen say we get to the end of this decade <laughs> you know when we get to the end of this decade what does success look like? to you from your perspective, either from the gender perspective or from your law training, what would you look back and say, wow, this has been a really uh, well-spent 10 years? Um, I think I would also focus on the human elements of the decade, because I, I think um, it's, it's my personal observation. Um, probably it reflects the current status is that we have seen um, a little bit of unfairness of the attribution of the benefits of how the science is being used or being collected. And I think, I hope uh, the decade will be able to change that. Um, when we talk about the human element, we should really be taking an intersectional approach that cross cuts, you know, geographics, culture, gender, identities, ages, ensuring the equality um, access to those areas is the key to success for creating a better opportunities for all those um, people to be able to participate in ocean science field. I think um, to define a success decade that would be a decade that benefits all, including all inhabitants on Earth, I hope the decades, the efforts through the decade would be able to bring forward the groups that traditionally have been underrepresented in ocean science, particularly women, which is the subject that we are working on. But I also recognize that, you know, the marginalized groups are going beyond the perspective of gender alone. We also have people living in the global south. It's also another term that have its own color and also people living in less privileged areas that hasn't been able to benefit um, from the discovery of science or the utilization of scientific knowledge. The indigenous communities in the Arctic or in the small islands and other marginalized groups. 
I think for me, a successful decade would benefit everyone on Earth. That is really calling for everyone、um, to be able to participate, to perform, to contribute, and also to benefit. I think, you know, it does take effort、um, to get there. If I want, if I want to、uh, say、uh, this is a successful decade and how to get there, I think I want to perhaps highlight two aspects that we need dedicated efforts to devote to capacity development and the human resources building. This would be、um, including, you know, from the bottom up awareness ra-、uh, raising activities to the public. Um, education, research, training, and it also requires a top-down level, both from the decade perspective and for the member states, for international organizations. It's it really is an action that calls for everyone's contribution. So, having said that, I think the second element I want to highlight is that. We need to have monitoring and、uh, evaluation mechanisms to measure the progress at all different levels, national, regional, and international levels, to ensure that our effort has really making a difference and contribute to the success of the decade. You know that's perfect. You know talking about the involvement of all and then measuring to make sure we do have involvement of all. Thanks, Jen. Up next, we have Evgenia、uh, from Russia. She's the coordinator for the ECOP program, which you know is close to my heart, the Early Career Ocean Professionals program. And she'll tell us about herself and how she got involved in the Ocean Decade. Hi.、Um, well, thank you so much for having me uh, today. Um, it's really an honor.、Um, so my name is Evgenia Kostanai. I'm、um, the global coordinator. Um, of the ECOP program, so this is the program endorsed by the Ocean Decade、uh, for early career ocean professionals.、Um, I'm also a researcher at the Institute of Oceanology in Moscow, Russia.、Um, my path to the um, um, the, the Ocean Decade、um, has been quite peculiar, I should say.、Uh, one thing is because I did change my career、um, a few years ago, well, like six years ago. Um, and um, yeah, I was my initial education is in、um, regional studies, which is which is something like international relations and、um, foreign languages. And then you know, like after several years of working in a completely different field, I I decided that this is the time to really change to the environmental field,、um, and this is how I got into the marine field. Um, at a little bit later stage in life than、um, some of the、uh, usual marine scientists, I should say,、um, but I'm very happy that I've done so.、Um, so I was involved initially in the informal working group, which was、uh, informal working group of recreation professionals. I was、um, nominated from the、uh, Russian side,、um, and we worked for a year、um, on. The、uh, ECOP initiative,、um, which was really awesome, and uh, that um, I think quite naturally led to the formation of the ECOP program, and we、um, submitted an application and we got endorsed、um, 
and uh, yeah, at some point I became the the global coordinator of this program, and I'm very happy to be working in this capacity because I think it's a great opportunity to to really do something great for all ECOPS um, out there across the world. Yeah, and we as ECOPS, as early career ocean professionals, are so lucky to have you <laughs> coordinating us around the world. I, d- I didn't even know that about you, your kind of uh, circular path to the ocean decade. So it's great. Um, this podcast is such a fun way for me to learn more about my friends and colleagues too, not just about <laughs> people I'm meeting for the first time. You know, you've worked on this decade for so long now, and we're only still in the very beginning of it. What would a successful decade look like to you? You know, when we reach 2030 and you're looking back, either from the view of, you know, gender or, um, or in the terms of, you know, early corrosion professionals and intergenerational diversity or, or something else, you know, what does, what would a successful ocean decade look like to you? Yeah, so this is uh, really a great question. Um, and I think the decade has so many opportunities and uh, we all have so many opportunities to contribute to the decade or contribute effectively to the ocean, to the you know, marine protection within the decade, but also beyond. So I would not you know, l- limit any activities to just these 10 years, um, but also you know, look what will happen after the decade is over. Um, so, you know, we at the ECOP program, we are focusing on certain things related to early career ocean professionals. So um, probably I will, you know, give the, my perspective, um, you know, from this angle. Um, so I would like to see, yeah, I think uh, the most important thing probably is more connection between um education and the job market because uh, this is something I um, kind of partly experienced myself um, and I also know that this is a challenge for many cops um, out there so I would really like to see ocean related jobs gaining more reputation and gaining more interest from ECOPS um, you know, for ECOPS in, in, in many regions. So, you know, we, we, we hear um, complaints that, for example, if you get education in marine science, but you have difficulties in getting a job, or you you don't know where to find it, or you have the jobs available on the market are quite um, low paid. So I would like to see the situation changed where people, where young people really choose their path uh, for a career for a marine scientist um, and they are s- certain that this will give them enough you know money to live on etc so I would like to see really more well-paid jobs in the sector because I know that you know many people who work in the in the ocean field they really like what they are doing they would love to to stay there but, but also they need to be able to live on it yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly right yeah yeah and i think what the ECOP program too has done really well um and not to <laughs> to jump in on your answer but in thinking about a broader view of what a career in ocean science looks like too that you don't just have to work in academia or be a scientist or um you know go into policy that there's a whole broad range of careers available and making you know people who are passionate about the ocean 
realize that they can use their unique skills to contribute to the to the health and well-being of the ocean. Yeah, and exactly this, you know, um, I would like to see this more, you know, within our program and within the decade itself, because um, I think there are so many opportunities, just right, as you said, uh, for contribution to marine protection or to the ocean. But I think people don't always realize that you don't have to be a marine scientist to contribute to the ocean, right? You can be uh, like a communicator talking about ocean issues, right? You can be a photographer taking underwater photos and helping biologists over there, right? You can be just a like citizen science um, activist um, running those like cleanup events in your community every week or whatever. Um, there are awesome opportunities. Um, you can, you know, start a, a business, a new business working on applications for mobile phones to track your marine litter on your beach, you know. It's like your really imagination is the limit, really. And I think what's um, what's beneficial about our program is that because we are an endorsed um, action, we have all those connections to all the projects, programs, um, activities within the decade, but also beyond. And they are really awesome. And I would really like to emphasize that and show this to ECOPs around the world to show what are the opportunities because they're really, really amazing. That's fantastic. Um, just, yeah, just, just a few short, easy goals to accomplish by 2030. But thank you so much for, um, (laughs) for your take on it and your perspective and helping us, uh, feature, uh, not just women in the decade, but having this intergenerational aspect to it as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, we are working on not only this intergenerational aspects, but also, you know, across multiple stakeholders, because exactly, you know, for that reason, to bring various perspectives, various stakeholders, and yeah, and of course, to share knowledge and skills um, across generations. Um, And I think it's pretty much very interesting and very exciting. Next up in our lineup of amazing women in the ocean decade is Janina from Brazil, who's going to start off speaking about why her name has inspired her passion for her work during the ocean decade. Hello, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. Well, before speaking about my professional role, I must say that my name is Janaina, and that alone explains a lot. This is a Brazilian indigenous name that means ocean mermaid or ocean queen. What a great name! Wow! I know, great responsibility. I know, yes. So I simply had no choice. I was destined to work with the ocean. (laughs) But also, um, I am a biologist and I hold a doctoral degree in ecology and conservation. And I consider myself a multidisciplinary professional as I have experienced diverse areas of expertise through my career. So besides the academic research, I have worked for the private sector, NGOs, teaching children, writing books. And currently I work as, a, as the leader of Ocean Agenda at Ochicari Group Foundation one of the biggest sponsors of environmental projects in Brazil. So I always found myself at a loss as to what I should focus on. But now I see how important it is to have people who can navigate these different areas and make the connection between them. 
uh, and you know we have a communication problem in the world, <laughs> even even if even in one single area. So if you scale to all the sectors that must be involved with the ocean and consider that we don't want to leave anyone behind, the challenge is very big. So that's been my path to the ocean decade to working in this connection and articulation. Yeah, that's what a fantastic introduction and a great kind of overview too of uh, how you can work in so many different fields and the importance, you know, of not just staying in one lane your entire career, but of, you know, like you said, seeing the breadth of opportunities and seeing the connections between them. And I think that's going to be such a key feature and we need people like you for the whole course of the ocean decade in order to bring these connections uh, together in order to create the ocean we want for the future we need. Yeah, that's right. And I think we have many people like this and just uh, have to find their way to use that uh, this capacity to work for the ocean decade. Yeah, exactly. So you've been in all different realms of the ocean world that you're uh, doing great work uh, in Brazil and globally uh, on the ocean decade. So uh, what is your idea of a successful ocean decade, um, either from a gender perspective or in general, you know, in, in all these different things that you've worked on? If you were to look back from 2030, what's happened that would make you think that this decade has been successful? Yeah, I have. I used to think to myself that a good indicator of the ocean, the decade success would be to dive with my son, that will be 12 years old by the end of the decade <laughs> in a pristine coral reef or something like this and talk to him about how these ecosystems use it to be threatened in the past and that we still have much to care about, but we are making great progress because that would mean that we were successful about turning the tide, about making all these linkages, bringing more money, bringing all the sectors, that ocean literacy is widespread, that society does its part and also puts pressure on decision makers and private sector. And uh, I know it's kind of dreamy. Uh, I don't know. Is that a word? <laughs> Dream? It's, it's dreamy, but it's also from your personal perspective too. And not, and it's showing, you know, how the ocean matters to you beyond work. You know, you were, you were born to do this work and it fits your, you, you know, how you personally and professionally interact with the world. Yeah. Yeah, and I know uh, there is a lot of hard science and hard work behind this personal dreaming indicator, you know, and uh, all of us that work with ocean, it's not only professional, it's also personal because you can't uh, separate uh, th these two things. And um, to women, women, I would say that we are all ocean queens. We all have this responsibility and the power to turn the tide and also summon everyone to take care of our kingdom. So uh, we know that we have, if you use you're not using all of our potential. For example, we know that women and minorities are often underestimated in their path. And I wonder what may happen if all of that potential comes to surface. So we may have hope. Yeah, that's a great way to say it, you know, the decade is a good way to tap into the potential of women and to de really demonstrate all that we can and should and need to continue to give to this field and that the field needs to give to us too. Yeah. And uh, actually we 
to have some really good examples of how to empower and engage all these women. In Brazil, uh, we have the Women's League for the Ocean. It's a Liga das Mulheres in Portuguese. It's a powerful and collaborative, collaborative Brazilian movement composed of more than 2,500 2, women worldwide. Wow. Yeah, and... League seeks to empower women to engage in action to protect the ocean. And we are making a great progress with different projects and ways of connecting all of these women. And I say we because I am one of these thousand women <laughs> that we are connected. And it's only one example that we can do a lot with we connect and use our, our power. And finally, our last powerful woman. We have Binti from Norway, who's a member of the Decade Advisory Board, and will speak to the role of the private sector during the Ocean Decade. Okay, so my, my name is Bente Pretlov. I'm the, the program director for Ocean Space in what's called DNV Research and Development. Um, for those that are not familiar with DNV, this is a global quality assurance and risk management company. Uh, we're an independent foundation that... Uh, reinvest all of our uh, revenue actually or 5% of our revenue back into uh, research and development and and I manage uh, the research efforts related to the ocean and actually the company has been working uh, with ocean industries for more than 150 years and, oh wow uh, 150 yeah, so years <laughs> so it's a it's a company with long traditions uh you know related to the ocean and, and i think 70 percent of our business is related to you know maritime renewable energy aquaculture and so on so um you know my, my background is is within environmental systems analysis and this is what i've been working on in in dnv uh, all along focusing on environment climate change sustainability and and uh, this environmental system analysis taking a holistic and systemic view on, on challenges related to uh, sustainability has really been sort of core to everything i do and that also took me into the work on on the ocean um, i joined um uh, in an initiative by the UN Global Compact called the Action Platform for Sustainable Ocean Business and was part of actually uh, the founding this together with other um, fellow uh, companies that were interested in looking at what could actually business do towards the sustainable development goals in the decade of action. And uh, while we were working on, you know, trying to find that uh, roadmap towards 2030 and how we could meet the sustainable development goals, um, you know, we, we saw that, yes, uh, we can point at what business needs to do. We can point at what we need in terms of uh, uh, policies, um, what we need in terms of financing and so on. But then we realized that, of course, there are a number of uh, gaps in our knowledge when it comes to the ocean and the ocean science and so already so this is going back to 2019 2020 and uh, just as, as we were sort of kicking off the decade of ocean science. And we started then looking at all of the priorities that we were making and we were looking towards the decade and trying to pinpoint what would we actually need from ocean science to meet our goals. And that I guess is, is the way I was first introduced uh, to the decade uh, and started actually following it uh, closely. And it's fantastic now that we're we're on, on our way. And um, that took me also into uh, a role on the advisory board. Um, so um, I'm really looking forward to contributing to the decade through that role as well. Yeah, you're a, a 
brand new member of the Decade Advisory Board? And can you give us a little bit of information about what role you're going to play on there? Well, I, I think that on the on the advisory board, I hope that I can, you know, I, as I mentioned, I have this sort of passion for holistic thinking and uh, addressing challenges and, and opportunities in multidisciplinary uh, way. So I hope I can take some of that with me into the decade. And then, of course, bringing some of those business perspectives. Um, I, I've always worked at the interface between, you know, the private sector, government, civil society in in most of the work that I've done and and I hope hopefully this can be sort of valuable input into the work of the advisory board because I mean on the advisory board and in the decade there is so much deep uh, expertise and experience and diversity and commitment to the tasks at hand and uh, and I hope that I can contribute in my way through that trying to see how we can kind of put all of those forces uh, together and uh, and also bringing the the business perspective into that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, it's great to see, you know, how all the stuff you had worked on previously is still holding true, and what you're trying to bring to the Ocean Decade for you know yourself personally and and DNB getting really involved. I think as well. You talked about this holistic thinking, and this might influence your next answer, or might not. So, what is your idea of a successful Ocean Decade? You know, if you were to look back from 2030. What's happened that would make you think that this decade has been successful? I, th- I think there are there are three things that I'd like to uh, to highlight with that. Uh, I mean, the ambition of the decade is that we have the science we need for the ocean we want. What is what is crucial to me is that we're able to sort of act upon that science. So so to achieve that, we must manage to translate the science into something that can make that we can make decisions upon. We, we need to make the science actionable, um, and uh, to make it actionable, we need to make sure that we we succeed in translating this so that it uh, meets the needs of the end users. And the end users are many. They are policymakers. They are the private sector. It's the civil society. So, so I think, and, and this, these are there are you know part of the goals of the decade is to you know identify the knowledge that we need to generate it and to use it. And and I think it's extremely important when we look back at the decade that we've managed to get through all of those steps uh, because if we sort of stop at just identifying and generating the knowledge and not making it actionable uh, we we're we not going to get there so that's kind of the one one uh, topic I'd like to highlight and and yes this holistic and systemic view of the ocean um, you know making sure that we leave no one behind ensuring that we uh, you know do not try to resolve one problem, but basically push the burden over to something else, um, I think is very important. And to make sure that we um, do not fall into that trap, I think it's going to be very important that we, um, you know, have a sort of good monitoring and evaluation regime around the, the that we actually measure our progress in the decade. Um, I come from, I come, uh, come from a background where we normally say, you know, what gets measured gets done. So I think it's very important that we throughout sort of follow that uh, we are actually on, on the right path and, and pivot if that's uh, necessary. And then the last thing I wanted to, uh, to, to highlight is that I hope that I can look back and confirm that the, that the private sector has actually been part of the solution and that the private sector has helped to provide uh, the knowledge and, uh, and and insight that we need, and we've been part of that journey, and and also that the private sector has 
used its innovating power to help create solutions because that's what we're really good at. Uh, so I, I really hope that we can successfully work together with the science community to, to achieve that. I think those are the three, three elements of, of success that I'd like to, to, to pull out. Yeah, and that's a you know very complimentary three-part goals, you know, that we need to, we need to measure, we need to bring that holistic thinking, and we need to make sure everyone's along the way. Because something that I've said since I've started working on and thinking about the decade is the definition of that we in the science we need for the ocean we want. That's so important. We need to make sure that we encompasses, you know, all the stakeholders who care about and uh, use the ocean for their daily lives. Thank you so much to the amazing women who uh, came on and were featured and we just got to dig into a little bit into the great work that they're doing in the ocean decade. And it's great to be able to feature so many women and just focus on the importance of gender during the ocean decade during this month that features the International Day of Women on March 8th. So if you're not listening to this episode when it drops, listen to it on March 8th and be thinking about um, the amazing women in your lives and the amazing women scientists and policymakers and nonprofit workers that you know. Um, I'm really excited to have all of them back on at some point to follow up on some of the amazing work that they discussed, and we'll see you all next month.